Hi again, everybody. Welcome to Radio MVP Sports Podcast, episode 120 of the Sports Podcast. I am Tim, along with Anthony. You can catch us on our webpage, which is radiomvp.com, on Facebook, just Facebook slash Radio MVP, I believe is what it is. Uh, just search it, you'll mm-hmm. find it. Like us and uh, tell your family, friends, and enemies, as I like to say, as we try to continue to grow the podcast and uh wow what a full week of sports here and uh we're gonna try it's to back, keep th- Tim. yeah we're gonna try it's to back. keep this short as possible believe it or not uh just because it's kind of late it's uh it's after 9 p.m on a, a monday night we're recording this so uh both of us got to get up early so we're going to try to make this as kind of short and sweet is the best way to put it and hopefully uh everyone will enjoy it uh give us uh some uh, likes and uh, what the hell they call it, uh, thumbs ups or uh, reviews, yeah, whatever they have, whatever they do yeah. on iTunes, stars, five stars, whatever mm-hmm. it is. All right, enough of that crap. All right, uh, sa- last Saturday night was high school football night mm-hmm. in the valley, as everyone likes to know. And uh, Ursuline was playing, and we uh, got Ursuline a victory over West Branch and a closer game than anyone anticipated, and a weird game where Ursuline really dominated throughout the game and in the second half allowed West branch to come back in from their own mistakes and West branch taking advantage of many of them uh, to uh, come away with, I believe it was a 38, 31 victory or 38, 37, 31 victory. It was close. Yeah. You, you know, first off, it, um, you know, just listening to your broadcast, you guys did a phenomenal job again, but it, you know, to me, two things, a, we talked about it last week. West Branch was a senior team, a well-coached team. I knew they weren't going to back down or quit if they got down big against Ursuline. So that's, you know, that we know. And then B again, Tim, it was the same thing we talked about for much of last week's podcast. Ursuline gets a big lead and then just kind of gets zoned out for a quarter, quarter and a half. And it got, I don't know if I ever felt Urson was in danger of losing the game despite it being 38-31, but that score was a lot closer um, than it should have been, especially considering uh, the great start Ursuline had in the first half. Well, yeah, and Ursuline talent level was – they just had more players. Let's put it that way. Uh, West Branch had excellent players, by the way. Uh, Brock Hillier, the quarterback, was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Uh, Drew uh, DeShields, who will be the quarterback next season, who's a wide receiver, 6'3", you know, about 185 pounds, maybe a little bit bigger, was just a phenomenal athlete at wideout. And they had about five or six different wideouts. They ran kind of that, um, oh, uh, kind of that spread offense slash RPO slash, um, you know, uh, Mike Leak type offense. Oh, yeah. Yeah. air raid type offense and they were very successful at it and they deserve to be where they were and to host that game that was a, that was an impressive team uh the way they played they never gave mm-hmm. up and they played their hearts out and i i have a lot of respect for what uh the warriors uh did last friday or excuse me last saturday night uh ursland ursland shows its talent levels again i mean we, we talk mm-hmm. about it. They have three running backs they can use at any time. Uh, Dante Walker, both offensively and defensively, is a phenomenal player. 
And then you look at, of course, you've got um, Shannon at quarterback and you got, you know, Matthew Reardon at wideouts, athlete, special position type mm-hmm. player. Uh, and, and so many more, you know, they got Manning, you got Irving. We can go on and on and on about the different players they have offensively and on defense. But Ursland's biggest problem in that game was Ursland. Again. Yeah, uh, they just kind of got Again. in their own way. Uh, they got out to a, you know, like you mentioned, or we were talking before the air, they got out to a 24 to six lead. They, they really, you know, they were 16 to six at one point. They, they, they went for two, almost every game, mm-hmm. every time they did. And what we talked about that last week. Right. And this, this is mm-hmm. who Dan Reuter is. He likes to yeah. play the number game and it's a huge advantage. If you can get twos, mm-hmm. uh, Mike Tomlin is famous for this with the Steelers. Yeah, he knows the value of what that extra point means, uh, and if you succeed X amount of times, it really becomes a uh, a, a huge advantage in scoring. And it did last Saturday for Ursland as that game got closer in the second half. Uh, I mean, Ursland had a thirty-two to twelve lead at one mm-hmm. point. At the first play of the second half, they threw an interception and it went back for a touchdown, and you know, I gave West Branch some, some breathing room, some, some hope, belief yeah. in themselves. And they scored three times in that quarter. Ursuline only once. And they, you know, they trimmed the lead uh, down to 13 in the fourth quarter. And, you know, Ursuline just, you know, put West Branch in situations where they took advantage of it. Uh, they had a lot of personal fouls in the second half, a lot of scenarios where, uh, they wouldn't close out defensively and left West Branch, you know, to have long drives, and they were able to to succeed. Uh, that's my biggest concern going forward for this Ursuline uh, team is can they this week clean that up and play a more clean game for an entire uh, an entire four quarters? Because when they don't, they let teams stay in. That's what happened with the game on the road in Mm -hmm. Warren earlier this year, they let the Raiders stay in that game. The Raiders took advantage and won that game late. Uh, The mistakes out Fitch outplayed Ursland on week. Yeah. Yeah. And and I don't want to take anything away from Fitch. Fitch just outplayed them, but we've seen this type of uh, slip up from Ursland over the last, uh, you know, four or five weeks and East. Yeah. And Mooney there's and- no question in my mind that Ursuline has the talent to win this tournament and yes. become a state champion. The question I have is, will this coaching staff get the most out of the players and will the players not get in their way of themselves to being successful? And this week against a very determined, very disciplined uh, Poland Bulldog team, it's going to be a huge challenge. You know, obviously the fans won't be at great numbers because of COVID, which will be, again, a advantage for Ursuline because Ursuline's used to playing in, in smaller crowds. Uh, yeah. I think it's going to be a boisterous crowd, though. I think Polo will, will show up, and uh, we'll see exactly how this uh, turns out next Saturday. But, yeah, uh, we're down to the, you know, the final four in the region. I still – I'll go back and say it again. The team that defeats Ursuline is Ursuline. 
and it's not necessarily going to be the yep. team on the field. Only once that year happened, and that was against Fitch. And every other game, if it was close or if they lost, it was because Earthland beat themselves, in my opinion. And we'll see what happens on, on a Saturday night in Poland. Yeah, it's going to be, um, you know, also kudos to uh, Poland real quick. After a tough season opening defeat to South Ranch, to come back and uh, play as well as they have and uh, get that number two seed in the region. Tim, honestly, I have no clue how this game is going to go. I really don't. Because like we talked about, Ursuline is the most talented team in the region. There is no question about it. I know Canal Fort Northwest is the number one seed. Very good football team. I still think Ursuline is more talented. But like you said, to me, Tim, the only team that's going to beat Ursuline in Region 13, with the just the lapse in you know judgment, whether it be penalties or offensive mistakes or defensive mistakes, you know, I don't know. I could see Urson beating Poland up two, three scores, but I could also see Urson blowing a game Saturday night and Poland winning. Well, you know, let me put it this way, uh, this will be probably the most disciplined team Ursuline has played all year. It's going to be one of them. There's no question Maybe about outside it. of Fitch. Outside of Fitch, right. yeah. And this is going to be one of them. And the rest of the way through, you're going to face good disciplined teams. Yes, you are. And the team that's less disciplined usually is at a disadvantage. Yep. And that's going to be up to the coaching staff to get their players up and ready to play at the highest levels that they can and be emotional, but also to – play within themselves and not taunt players getting above them after they make a big hit. Cause look, this team can do that. Uh, Ursuline, like I said, has great talent, both offensively and defensively. Uh, to me, it's on the coaching staff from this point on uh, mm-hmm. to prepare them and make them recognize what happened last week. Can't go further because you'll never go any farther than this coming week. If you make those same mistakes against a better team in like a Poland, or if they advance to, let's say, Canal Fulton, as you mentioned. Those are disciplined mm-hmm. teams. Disciplined yeah. teams usually win close games because they don't make the mistakes that other teams do, and, and they t- capitalize on mistakes that undisciplined teams make. So that's what it comes down to, in my opinion. Can Ursuline clean up the, the mistakes that they had, uh, the emotional mistakes that they had, and be ready? Because talent-wise... I'm not concerned. Matter of fact, no. uh, the best play of the ball game, and he was our offensive player of the game. And this is typical Dan uh, Reardon, yeah, Dan Reardon style. He uh, he put in at kind of wing fullback uh, mm-hmm. Ryan's Pigas, who's normally the hey. right guard. Yeah, and he put him at at fullback slash uh, wing. They did that typical. Uh, wing style offense where you hand it off to the to the yeah. one tailback and he gives the inside handoff to the wing guy. Well, he took it, ran around the corner, broke a couple tackles, and broke off like a 20, 25 yard run that really kind of put the game away. And uh, it was impressive. And he was just so impressive offensively, defensively. He was one of our players of the game and rightfully so. And uh, yeah, like I said, I'm not concerned about what plays they can make or the talent level that Ursuline has. The question I has is they, can they play within themselves and be disciplined enough 
to put them in the position and not make mistakes to keep their opponents in the ball game, which recently they have done. And that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Kudos to Dan Reardon for that little wrinkle in the game. And we have not seen that all year at all, not even a hint of it. Uh, so kudos to Reardon for uh, putting that in, in the biggest game of the year and the most important spot of the year. Well, uh, that kid's play well all year. Uh, he is thing. a really good football there. You want to show a lot of different wrinkles at different times to make your opponent, mm-hmm. your next opponent, have to practice it. Now, you may even show that same formation and he may never touch the ball. But no. now they have to be – Now to think about it. Yes, they have to be prepared yep. for it. And there's a very good simple, simple opportunity in that same formation – to throw a screen pass to someone like that. Yep. Or mm-hmm. or have Full him back, yeah. Or have him hand the ball back off to the quarterback or whatever. Mm-hmm. But anyways, needless to say, you know, when it comes to trickeration, Dane mm-hmm. Reardon loves it and has been very successful using it at times this season and in his career. And we will see what may or may not transpire next Saturday night. Yeah, it's I think Erson wins the game Saturday night because I think to me, Poland is a little one dimensional. Uh, they have a really good running game, a punishing running game. But I think in order to beat Erson, you have to have a passing game. West Branch had it, Fitch had it, Harding had it. We've seen the teams that have not had it this year against Erson. They've not won. But that's right. Poland's game. Though. That's who they've been successful all year with. So there's no point to change it now. Uh, remember, we had Poland a couple years ago against Cardinal Mooney in the playoffs, and they raised a primary spread team like a Mike Leach air raid offense. But when they lined up on our center and pounded it, they had a lot of success. I think it's going to be a hell of a game uh, Saturday night. I just think uh, the experience of Dan Reardon in the playoffs combined with the overall talent of Erson, I think Erson wins that game. It's going to be fun to watch. There's no question about it. You know, it's been, I think this could be a very successful year in the Valley for high school teams. Uh, Canfield continues to roll. JFK yes. continues to to win ball games. Springfield continues their their march, trying to get back to the championship game where they were last season. Uh, we could be very busy uh, in Stark County on a Friday and Saturday uh, in a few weeks. And I'm not saying it's everyone's going to get there, but I'll be honest. I think there's three teams, maybe four teams, that can make it that far. Uh, I think a, a team that people are not paying attention to is Canfield, who, who can make a run. Yeah. And yes, that, I think JFK's is in position to South get Range there. Too. Mm-hmm. South Range. I'm, like I said, there's a lot of schools in our area right now who I honestly do believe will play for regional championships and get to the semifinals and have that opportunity to play for a chance to go to Canton to play for a championship game. It's going to be really interesting in the next few weeks. I'll be shocked if we lose most of our teams this week. I don't think that'll happen. Anything can happen on the gridiron, but I really think we'll have a minimum of three teams going forward, if not all five or six of them uh, uh, moving on. Cause I just, the way it's set up, I think they're in, they're in best positions. And these are really good football teams. As you mentioned, South Range, Canfield, uh, JFK, mm-hmm. Ursland, uh, you know, there's just so many good quality teams. Don't forget about Harding, too. And, and, and that's a team that's 
you know, we've seen them play against Ursland, and that was their turnaround game. Yes, that it was, was their that was the game yes. where they came from behind and won. And then, like I said, Ursland kind of allowed that to happen, meaning they gave them the opportunities to take advantage of mm-hmm. it. And as we talked about, you know, talking about that game a few weeks ago, uh, give all the credit to the Raiders for what they achieved in that game because they took advantage of opportunities and won that game late. And uh, yeah, like I said, there's a lot of good quality football teams in our area this year, and we'll just have to wait and see. All right, let's move on to a new subject. Yes. Uh, let's talk a little World Series here. Did you catch game four, yes or no? I caught the tail end of it, yes. Wow. I caught most – I caught the middle Ooh. of it. And after the eighth inning where the Yankees – not the Yankees, excuse me, the Dodgers took the lead, mm-hmm. I uh, I watched like the next half inning and I says, all right. I says, well, I'm going to go to bed. Well, I was a mistake. Tim, I didn't what? turn it back on. The next morning I heard about this amazing finish. And I'm like, are you kidding me? What did I miss? The World Series this year is – going to go down as probably the lowest watched world series of all time with everything going on but the world series again delivers in just a way that you could have never believed what an what a well-pitched game again and the rays they did we talked about it they just a don't couple give weeks up. ago they reminded us of the 16 indians deep pitching good bullpen good manager, and they just don't give up. Um, and they get contributions from guys that are not well-known names. Brandon, um, uh, Brandon sure. Wow, yeah. Brett Phillips. You know, guys that you don't really hear about. Um, Randy Arozarán has become like a star this year. Nobody ever heard of him going into this postseason. But that's what makes baseball, especially the baseball postseason, so much fun. Because there are going to be guys that come up that you've never even thought about being a hero. Um, well, talk about a hero. Talk about Crenshaw last night for the uh, ooh, Dodgers. He got. Uh, he showed he why he. Season. Yeah, the, he's shown why he's one of the best pitchers in baseball the last ten years, and uh, yeah, now they're on the verge of a possible. You know, they have to. Yeah, they can. Yeah. They can close it out in Game Six. I got a gut feeling it's going seven. I do too. Uh, and I do too. If it goes seven, I like the race, but you know, so I think this is a closeout game for the for the Dodgers. If they can pull it off, which they they're very capable of it, they're very talented and up and down in the bullpen everywhere. So, and if you ask me, who's the better team? It's the Dodgers, not by a lot, but the Dodgers. And uh, I have a gut feeling that the Rays are going to win Game Six and. We'll go to a game seven. And, you know, this year's so uniquely different with the neutral field. Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, yeah, we get the days off and that in between, you know, game uh, two and, and game five, mm-hmm. like you do in a normal World Series time. But uh, all you're doing is changing who bats last. And, yes. Uh, I don't, you know, you're not changing dugouts or anything like that. So it's, it's quite unique scenario this year. And uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, tomorrow night's uh, baseball game. It should be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, if I'm the Rays, I want to get to Kelly Jansen. I want to get Kelly Jansen in that game because his yeah. postseason ghosts are haunting him again. Uh, now, give credit to Phillips. He made a great, a great swing on the ball. 
Um, but boy, he just uh, he continues to struggle. Now, watch me say this, and he'll go out the next two nights, uh, two games, if it gets that far, and he'll pitch really well, which I hope he does. He's a he's a phenomenal closer. He pitched well his whole career. Just uh, the postseason gets to people. It's it's a different beast. There's no question yes, it about is. it. It uh, it amps up big time. You know, I'm not going to go deep into it. It is, you know, it, the we're we're in a game six. We'll see what happens. And mm-hmm. like I say, I I just got a sneaky belief that that the Rays are going to win game six and we'll have a game seven. And if that's not the case, this just shows you how good the Dodgers are as a team. And the players that are on there, you know, you look at what Mookie Betts has brought to the Dodgers this year in the shortened year and the leadership and the postseason play that he's had. Uh, there's just so many good players on that team. You talk about, you know, you got Muncie and you got so many others. I, it's just up and down the line. Bellinger and Seager yeah, and Peterson. And, exactly. It's yeah, just so loaded. many. They, and there's a reason why this is their third straight World Series. And yeah. Uh, hopefully, you know, for the, for the Dodgers fans and, and, uh, just in general, you know, they'll be able to close one out and not be mm-hmm. a, a asterisk of kind yeah. of like the, uh, the Braves were all the time making the world series and only winning one. Never, yeah. Uh, you know, and, but that's what makes sports interesting. You just don't know what's going to transpire. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm rooting for it to go, uh, seven games because, uh, game seven is. Well, those are the two best words in sports, right? Game seven. Yeah. Unless uh, you're an Indians fan, but hey, uh, game seven of the World Series, those are always fun. Uh, those are always fun. And uh, hopefully. Elimination games are always exciting. Simple as that. Yes, and they are. Game six is an elimination game. Game seven is the ultimate uh, elimination game. So let me say this real quick before we uh, go on something else. Kudos to Major League Baseball because we, we, and especially myself, we're very critical of them in March and April and May and even in the June for not really having a plan. And, you know, they were kind of kicking the can down the road, kicking the can down the road. Um, and they're a game or two games away from completing this crazy, wacky season. Uh, I believe no positive test the last two and a half months. Uh, you know, so kudos to them for getting things figured out. Uh, the bubble worked, obviously, again. We've seen that. Uh, so just a credit to them for getting this far because in May and June and even July, we weren't really certain we were going to get this far. Well, well there's, no, them. there's no question that when they went to the bubble in the uh, latter stages yeah. of the regular season and, and mm-hmm. into the postseason, it has uh, insulated the players – to the position to be able to play each and every game. Now I know mm-hmm. that the, the non-positive test goes back into the regular season too, but bottom line is the players took advantage or took responsibility for their own health and did what necessary to put them in position where they are today of the final two teams and give major league baseball credit. Cause when they first announced that, that they were thinking about a bubble, I wasn't sure it was going to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if, uh, cause I was really concerned about Dallas, uh, like I was for yeah. Orlando, uh, because of, uh, the virus itself, but it has worked. And like you said, got to give credit where credit is due. Yeah. Football, get right back to football real quickly here. 
Yeah. The Big Ten season begun this past week. Uh, the Buckeyes are back. Uh, not a big surprise. They were able really to take control of that game with uh, Nebraska. First game, kind of a fill-out game. Learn as you go. Make You're going to make some mistakes. You're going to earn your way. I thought they played well overall. I thought uh, It'd be a shame if they Justin needed Fields could start playing better. Yeah, what would be heartbreaking. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it looked like he never missed. Yeah, he looks better than he did last year. I know. It looks like he's had an extra two months to prepare for a season. And you know what? We talked about in August and September. If you're a leader, show up and play. And Justin Fields has shown that he's a true leader and has shown up and played. Tim, he looks better than last year, and that's tough to get. Yeah, well, phenomenal last year. Yeah, a lot of the season still to be played. Uh, next Saturday night against Penn State on a national stage, we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, you can see the talent level of the uh, the Buckeyes in that first game, and it'll be interesting to see how they progress. And uh, you know, again, it'll be almost. The game that's on my schedule to, to really pay attention to is to see how Notre Dame fares as they continue to play in the ACC and when that Clemson game comes, because that's going to be uh, basically whoever wins that game is prob- most likely and will have an automatic bid to the Final Four. Yeah, it's uh, look, we got to get, the, you know, I'm going to go uh, uh, coach speak on you. Uh, actually, I'm going to go opposite of Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly, after his uh, team's 45-3 to win, which shocked to me, which I thought we'd win, but against Pitt, it's always been that. Exactly. That Ohio State-Purdue kind of feel where it's ugly and closed and just like, ugh. But um, Kelly, after the game so much, said uh, that we are – everything we do right now is getting ready for November 7th. Well, you put it on out there that everything you're doing right now is for – it's for next Saturday night in South Bend. It um, has to be. But let me see. I don't know if you caught any of the game uh, Saturday. I did not. But I know Pitt had their backup quarterback in. Now, the kid has played some at Arizona State. He made a couple starts at Arizona State and started the last two games at Pitt. Refresh my memory. Is this 2020 or 1920? Because <laughs> after every play, Pitt's quarterback was coming to the sidelines to get the play. Well, and then running it back into the huddle. Yeah, I mean, it's done still. Believe it or not, it's still done at all levels. Uh, that's the that is actually the easiest way to yeah. do it because you, there's no communication breakdown. You tell the quarterback exactly what you want to run, and then he goes to the line and runs it. Uh, and then if there's, you know, obviously you give your quarterback the opportunity to change plays most of the time at this level. And if he can read a defense properly and make the changes, that's fine. No, it's not as prominent as you see in the high school level where you see the quarterback go to the sideline, get the play and come back on every play. However, maybe because it was just that scenario Mm -hmm. that you brought up earlier, it was probably the the wisest way to handle it. I'll tell you what, Tim, that is one bad football team ever. They are really bad. I mean, they are just really bad. But, hey, I'm not going to apologize for a 42-point win on the road, especially Pitt, who's given up some heart attacks in the past. So we're going to move on. We're going to focus. We are on to Georgia Tech now. We're going to focus on the Yellow Jackets and get ready for them down in Atlanta this Saturday. 
and it should Hopefully be. We can uh, yeah, get past right. that and get ready for what next Saturday holds. Well, that's exactly it. This is the this is a week where you test your players because that's exactly what Brian Kelly's already saying. Yeah, because yep. you can't overlook it. But in the same vein, you want to be ready. You want to be prepared. You want to use this week to be prepared for the following week. In the same vein, you don't want to overlook your opponent this week. So, like, like I keep saying, Anthony, it comes down to a one game. It's such a condensed season for all yeah. teams and all leagues that one game makes or breaks your season. Like, for example, I don't expect this to happen because I don't think Penn State's that good. But this is their game. This is their season yes. in week two. Yeah, this is it. Yeah, you can't start 0-2 if you're Penn State. Well, exactly. Well, you can. Well, but yeah, and they probably will. But, it, you know, this is, this is your statement game. If you're going to have one, this is it. It doesn't happen after this. You know, beating mm. – Michigan State or Michigan doesn't mean anything. Uh, good for them if it happens, but you know, their their season's on the line this week, and you know that's why Ohio State has to be ready. And I'm sure Ryan Day knows that, and he'll have the team prepared to play. And when you look at the X's and O's, and you look at Jimmy's and Joe's on the field, you know who's gonna who should uh, dominate that game and come out on top. And you know, I think everyone expects that, just like last week against Nebraska. Nebraska came out and played well the first two quarters. They played well yeah. throughout the game. They were just overmatched. And you, and I think that's exactly what's going to happen this week. I think Penn State may come out and play a better game in week two. But I think in the end, uh, the talent level of Ohio State is just too much and it will over overcome any obstacles that Penn State will put up. I expect Penn State to come out and play much better. In fact, it wouldn't shock me if Penn State's winning after the first quarter or maybe even winning going to halftime. Because like you said, this is their season. Uh, this is it right here. Uh, beating Michigan and Michigan State, that's yay, good for them. Right. But it's Ohio State and everybody else. Um, the whole Big Ten, every week Ohio State faces somebody and so, that's their season. Yeah, this um, – you know, so Penn State is probably going to come out and play a lot better than they did against Indiana – probably looking ahead to Ohio state against Indiana and Indiana is talented enough and well coached enough uh, to uh, surprise you. But I think ultimately in the, the game, I think Ohio state is going to boat race. I think Ohio state has just the speed Ohio state has on the outside. It's and the like, fact that it's freshmen and sophomores is scary. You know what? I'll say it again. You know, the, the cliche saying that Jimmy's and Joe's, you know, beats X's and O's and, it, and that's exactly what it is. It's about talent. And, and the talent level of Ohio State is so superior than most of the talent in the Big Ten. And, uh, each week, their, the Ohio State's opponent is playing their biggest game of the year, while yeah. Ohio State is preparing to play to their play biggest their game in the game future. Yeah. And that, me, that's, that'll be the toughest part for Ohio State is to execute each week as they move forward because they only have one goal in mind. And that is to try to win the national title. Did you see any of the we any of the Wisconsin Illinois game on Friday night or hear about it? No, I I I'll be honest with you, Anthony. Mm-hmm. I try not to watch any college football on Friday night out of pure uh, loyalty to the high school game. I hate Friday night college football. Yeah, and the Big Ten. I don't know. And it's Notre Dame plays. It, it, it's awful. And. You know, Notre Dame plays a Friday night game here in a couple weeks against North Carolina, which beginning of the year, you're like, eh, 
But now that's looking like it could be a top 15, top 25 matchup, and it's going to be on a Friday night. Um, but I let me let me interject here. Yeah. I understand why there's Friday night games. Oh, it's money. It's well, money. Yes, yes. And under the circumstances of this year, you're going to get as many games as possible on television, and you want a national uh, audience anytime you can for any school mm-hmm. and um, for any conference to make the uh, the money possible to make up the money that you lost because you don't have the revenues coming in from other games that you would have played this year. I understand it all. Doesn't mean mm-hmm. I have to like it. And, and that's just the way it is. I, I didn't like when Ohio state played on a Friday and Ohio state last year. Yeah. yeah. And, and I didn't look at the schedule this year and most likely they got a Friday night game too here in a week or two. And they, uh, yeah, I they like that. I, I, I guarantee you they do. Cause look, Fox wants that game. As long as Fox can get those games, Fox is going to have those games. And they want that because it's a huge money maker for all involved, not just the schools involved, but for the television. And, and it is anytime you can expand the viewership to another day, you want to do that. And that's why the NFL plays on Thursday nights. That's why they play on Sundays and Mondays uh, because it expands the viewership. That's why during late in the season, they play on Saturdays when college football is not there because they can expand the viewership. Personally, if I had a magic wand, I'd do away with the Thursday night NFL game, give that one back to the colleges and let them have the Thursday night game. And I'd rather see an end of the week Tuesday night game added to the schedule. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had that Tuesday night a few weeks ago, and I thought it was wonderful. So you would have Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday of the NFL. And and prime time on Sunday night, Monday night, and Tuesday would, would make me thrilled. I'd rather see the season, uh, the week end on a Tuesday mm-hmm. and then keep the Thursday game for the opener in the season. Yeah. And keep the Thursday three games on Thanksgiving. Other than that, get rid of the Thursday game, move all of them the rest to Tuesday at the end of the, the last game of the, uh, the work week uh, for the NFL. And that's the way I would suggest going forward. It'll never happen. So we don't have to worry about that, but that's, I would like, I'd love to see Thursday. I'd rather see Ohio state and other teams play on a Thursday than a mm-hmm. Friday. I just don't like to see the competition with the high school game. Friday's always been a high school game. When high school games are moved to Saturday, that's their choice to compete with the collegiate level. But Fridays to me is high school. I understand in the playoffs, we, you, you need the extra days and call in high school, which is no big deal to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, that's just the way I see it. I'd rather, you know, rework the schedule going forward and, and have this the NFL play on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. And instead of Thursday, Sunday, and Monday, uh, instead of opening the week on a Thursday, I'd rather see this, the week end on a Tuesday night on a national TV game. I think there'd be better games anyways. That's because, uh, there would actually be in the following week, more time for a team to prepare for a game mm-hmm. playing on a Tuesday and getting ready to play a game on a Thursday. It, you know, that's not going to change. And it, it is what it is. And I can't change it and you can't change it. And it's not going to get changed. But that's what my dream scenario would be. Speaking of the NFL, the Cleveland Browns are five and two. Let me repeat yep. that again. The Cleveland Browns are five and two. And Baker Mayfield is heckle and jive of NFL quarterbacks because 
that first quarter was the most disastrous quarter of I watched in a long time. <laughs> and I was vividly upset uh, on the way they played. And by the second quarter, you started seeing the team 0 for 5 with a pick and lost his number one receiver in the game on that play. And in the second quarter, he used 5 for 5 with two touchdowns. So, you know, it just changes your whole attitude when things go right. <laughs> and when you throw five touchdowns in a ball game, even against the Cincinnati Bengals, yeah. that's an impressive game. Maybe it might be the only team he could do that against uh, because that's what it seems like against the rest of the league. He's very average, but against the Cincinnati Bengals, he's Joe Montana. I mean, it's just, it's phenomenal. Yeah. And uh, you know, I don't watch him because I, I don't really watch much football on Sundays after Friday and Saturdays. I'm kind of worn out from football, but uh, no, I heard that uh, he started out really rough and uh, came back late and finished strong. Yeah, it was uh, the Browns are, you know, are going to be a difficult team to, to watch the rest of the year because they're going to be an important team to watch because they've already got five wins in seven games. Yep. So, and with the expanded playoffs, with the extra playoffs slot, you get to figure if they can get to eight and eight, nine and seven, that, that they got a little legitimate shot at that number seven spot. Worst case scenario. Best case scenario, they could do a lot better. They could get 10, 11, mm-hmm. maybe 12 wins. Uh, you know, and that's be shocking, but they're playing well enough that you think the schedule works. I, I hate looking ahead at the schedule, but the schedule looks good for them going forward. Their biggest games will be back in the division when they play Pittsburgh and Baltimore. And both those games are in Cleveland. So maybe they'll get a better showing. I don't know. We'll have to wait until December to find that out and January to find that out. But this week they play the Raiders. Raiders are not that good. They're at home. It's going to be important for the Browns to come out and win that game and go into the bye week six and two. It's, it's a hard worst case scenario is they lose that game and go into the bye week on a downer. Uh, obviously, it's not going to be easy, minus OBJ and minus Chubb, but uh, I think in the end, it's going to be important for them to play uh, the level that they can to be successful. And I honestly like the makeup of this team. Uh, Miles Garrett is the most disruptive defensive lineman in pro football. Another strip sack. The defense itself is terrible. Uh, you have two players that both number one draft picks, Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward. Those are your two stars on the defense. Everybody else is, is a minor player. Hopefully it'll get better. They have bad defensive backs throughout the rest of the thing, and it showed they couldn't stop the Cincinnati Bengals at all. Uh, that defense has to get better for them to really succeed long-term. Uh, I will say this, Joe Burrows is – Better than advertised. Yeah, he's and, pretty uh, good. Last season, as he was going for his Heisman Trophy and, and national title, that you got to remember this. This is a person who grew up with football. His father was a coach. He was an offensive yes. coach. He was a head mm-hmm. coach. You know, these are the things when you're built to. When it's like the Stoops, you know, they were built to be coaches. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. because of their father and they, they and how successful they have been you look at you know dan reardon and his son matthew matthew's very very football knowledge his mm-hmm. has such a high level and he's such a great athlete he can do so many things you know he could be a quarterback he could be a wide out he could be the defensive back 
You know, there's so many things he could do. He could be a special team player. He's a kicker. Uh, you get that when you have a coach's son sometimes, that like extra coach on the field. Mm-hmm. And you looked at uh, Burrow's career at, at the high school level and the records he set for the state of Ohio and what they were able to achieve at his high school at that time. And then he went to Ohio State, and yeah, there were a bunch of quarterbacks in front of him. But in the same vein, give a lot of credit to the kid. He graduated in three years, mm-hmm. you know, went uh, to LSU for years uh, four and five, and in the fifth year, he wins a a, a a national title. So hey, you know, I'm not shocked at how well he's played. And you look at the talent that Cincinnati has on offense; they should do well. Yeah, they, they got really some nice pieces down there. Yeah, they do. And you got to remember, you know, Joe Mixon didn't play that game. Who's a phenomenal running back. And you look at, you know, Tyler Boyd and AJ Green and, and Eifert who didn't play in that game. And uh, there's, they got some offensive talent on that team. And that Bengals team is not that far away from being a good team. Their head coach, he needs to grow a little better. He needs Mm -hmm. to get to the next level because he still makes mistakes that cost this team. And I, I want to thank him for calling timeouts when he does. <laughs> I want to thank him. Uh, no, I didn't think Joe Burrow would be this good this fast. But he is really good. Yeah. I mean, he is – you can just see the other leadership skills that he has. And he's starting to take command of that offense. And fortunately, it's unfortunate for them. The next couple of years are going to have high draft picks, so they can spend that on the defensive side and start to fortify some of their – holes over there and a couple years burrows uh they could be a playoff contender maybe yeah i think they could they could get there even next year i mean the afc north next season could be the most competitive division in football if the browns continue to improve their talent level and get a better defense if the steelers still play at the high level that they are the ravens who i still think is the class of the division uh wow I mean, that could be, without question, uh, four teams just battling it out each yeah. and every, you know, uh, divisional game and each week in the NFL. It could be the most uh, dynamic division in football. And the Bengals, I know, are struggling, and they're going to struggle this year, but there's enough talent on that team to make a big leap next year. And yep, we will see if they can do that. Uh, just kind of like the Browns. The Browns had talent last year. They didn't have coaching. And it shows you what coaching does. And I will say this. I said this before. The Browns are 5-2. and two, And the most sm- the, the smartest person in the building is Depotesta, who yeah. made that decision yep. to bring him in. And wanted him two years ago and didn't get his way. And the second time around, got his man. And, uh, wow, I got to, you know. What he has done uh, as a front office person, both in football now and baseball, yeah, in baseball, exactly. Uh, I think he understands what is some of the intangibles out there. You know, he wanted the Browns four years ago to hire the Bills head coach, and boy, I tell you what, he's looking pretty damn smart right now. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. All DD Pesta knows what he's doing, doesn't he? It's about time the Browns actually made a smart decision, right? It took him 20 years. <laughs> it took him 20. Oh. oh, my God. But, yeah, uh, they look like an NFL team for the first time in a long, long time, uh, like an organization that yeah. has 
its feet underneath them and understands what they need to do. It's going to be, I mean, the injuries, every team has to deal with them. I don't care who you are. You got injuries, uh, losing OBJ, losing Chubb, losing Teller. I mean, those mm-hmm. are, those are major injuries, losing some of the defensive lens that they had, you know, Vernon for a while defensively and, mm-hmm. uh, not having greedy Williams most of the season and just getting Mac Wilson back last week. I mean, injuries are part of sports. Uh, Delpert, you know, the guy you drafted that you thought would be your starting safety out for the season. But, you know, in the NFL, there's always injuries. And yeah. Every team has to deal with it. Some years you have less than others, but usually you almost pencil in. Somebody of major major quality on every team will have a, a, a setback. And now how do you fill that void? Is it one player? Is it two players? Is it three players? You know, and that's how you win in the NFL. You have to be able to fill those voids when they come up because when you unable to teams take total advantage of the missing piece and uh, you know, next thing you know, you're down three or four touchdowns and, and the game's over. Yeah. They, uh, they finally look like they have some semblance of how a football organization should be run. So it's, you know, I'm talking what 20, 25 years. So 20, 20 years, basically yeah. 1999, they uh, came back. So 21 years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, I mean, they had a small little radar blimp a couple different times. And, uh, but who really cares looking back? Uh, what matters is what you're doing this year. And it only makes sense in a year of 2020 that has been so strange. Yep. That the Cleveland Browns would be so good. Uh, I mean, so good might be overstretching it, but being <laughs> six, five and two. And uh, your only two losses against probably your two best teams in football and the Ravens and the Steelers. Yeah. Now, Grant, you lost those games. It's a lot better than what they have been. Yeah. You lost those two games, 76 to 13, but you know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You can't have it all in one day, right? No, it's a lot better than what they have been. So. Yeah. Hey, it's, as you know, as a Bronco fan, you don't do it overnight. And uh, they got Drew Locke back, so that was a good thing for them. Thank for Justin Fields now. I'm the- you know what? I, I'm 100% agreement with that. You know, I think the luckiest team in football was the Miami Dolphins because mm-hmm. that was their goal last year was to tank for Tua, and Tua got hurt and fell to him. Yep. And now look exactly. at him. He's, he's going to be their quarterback this, you know, this coming week. So, uh We'll see where Miami goes from here with a rookie quarterback, but a very talented young man and a left-handed quarterback too. So yeah, we haven't had many of those in the NFL lately. No, huh? no, it's been a while, and uh, I think he's going to be fine. I think actually, you know, that's going to be interesting. And just looking at the NFL in general, uh, New England falling down all of a sudden. And uh, look, I never thought I'd say the day that Cam Newton would get benched by uh, Bill Belichick, but he got benched by Bill Belichick. Yeah, well, I've never had any uh, positive things to say about Cam Newton. I, he's a bum to me. Yeah, you know what? His talent level is is it's, outrageous. He's he's a freak at his size and his abilities. Now you can. It's almost more mental at this point, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think that has something to do with it. But yeah, you know, we could talk about that another day. Uh, but yeah, on, on just a physical specimen of a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Freak. Oh, yeah. There's no reason for him to struggle the way he does at times. Nobody's built like him. Exactly. Nobody's ever been built like him. Right. And, you know, 
but it's not about uh no it's about know, it's about production it's about yeah. production look at look at kyle murray he's not the tallest guy in the world but he plays his style of football look how successful uh the cardinals can be offensively and what a uh unique scenario that is up there over there in arizona i'm not saying they're ever going to win a championship but because uh, I don't know if they have enough players to get there, but they're fun to watch. How is it to and you know and you know it's funny how how Cliff Kingsbury's uh, coaching um, career has gone. You know he started at, at Texas Tech, had some okay years, uh, got fired from there. He was the offensive coordinator at USC for maybe twenty four hours. And then all of a sudden he's in the NFL with the Arizona Cardinals and have a really good year. Not too bad last year. Right. And look, it, it comes down to talent. We've talked about that before and mm-hmm. talent fitting a system. You know, he has that air rate yes, type he offense. He has the perfect quarterback for that. Who's run it his entire life. Uh, and who is an athlete who can run and he can slide and he can do so many things better than any other quarterback with that type of offense. So it's impressive. Uh, we'll see how it, how it all comes about in the trip, but yeah, uh, I think there's a lot of excitement in the NFL and you know, football is exciting and we got it from all levels from high school, college and pros. And I'm looking forward to uh, this coming week for the Ursuline Irish and I'm looking forward to all the teams in our area and see how far we go. And, you know, there's a chance, Anthony, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, but there's a chance that we may be very busy on a Saturday in Canton very soon. Because yeah, not and- only potentially could it be, you know, I don't know what the schedule is going to be because I know Thursday night we'll have a game and that very well may be the Springfield game Probably again. One or two, yeah. Well, no, no, it's usually Thursdays. Mm-hmm. Thursday will be one of the Division 6 or 7 type thing. Let's 5, 6, or 7. Thursday will be either 5, 6, or 7. I don't know how they're going to do it. But uh, then Saturday will be Division 1, and and uh, Division 2 probably will be on, on – or, or Division 1 will be on Friday, and Division 2 prob- probably will be on – Saturday, I imagine, but I don't know that for a fact. Yeah, I'm trying to see what what they did last year. I know, I know, last year was a different. Springfield last year played the Friday morning game at ten o'clock. According. Okay, all right. Uh, Division two did play on Thursday. You're right. Division two played on Thursday. Division one played on Friday. On yeah, and then one of the lower divisions played on on Saturday. Now you mentioned, it. I forgot. That's exactly what they do. You're probably so, gonna have. The Division um, Two game will be on Thursday night, and then they'll have three games on Saturday, three games on uh, three games on Friday, three games on Saturday. Yeah, Fitz, Hoban, and Maslin again for the state championship. Now, remember, two years ago, it was Hoban Maslin for the state championship. Right. Last year, it was, it was Hoban Maslin for regionals. Right. Now this year, Maslin is in the region with all the Columbus schools, so it could be Hoban Maslin for the state championship game again. And you'd probably have that Thursday or Friday night in prime time. Um, yeah, it'd probably be Thursday night yeah. by itself. Game all itself, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And just like it has been in the past. You're right. Thursday is, is Division Two. 
Friday's Division One, mm-hmm. and then I guess they would have Division Four or Five on. Uh, Division Three would probably be a. F- Division Three will play Saturday or Friday yeah, night. They'll probably play Friday, right? Is, is it? No, it's three, five, six, and seven on Saturdays, right? Um, let me look. I think this year it's three, five. Because I think it's it's division one, two, and one, two, and three. I thought we're playing on Fridays. Four, five, and six, and seven were on Friday or Saturdays, but it don't matter. Needless to say, we'll figure it out. It is one, one, two, three, and seven on Fridays. Okay. Four, five, and six on Saturday. Okay, move the division oh. two to to Thursday on the championship game. Yep. That leaves. Uh, one, one, three, and seven for one, three, Friday. Is se- right. Seven will play the morning game. Three yep. will play the afternoon game. One will play the evening game. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then you have the other three on Saturday and yep. you know, they'll, they'll figure out how they want to run that one uh, for the primetime game, but uh, probably division six in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then you would probably go division four, maybe in the, the afternoon game. Yeah. Yeah. And then, maybe the division seven at night. I'm not sure. Or division six, whatever it is, mm-hmm. they may switch those two around. It really doesn't matter, but needless to say, it should be a lot of fun. I think we can very much be, we may have a very busy Saturday uh, with multiple games uh, in, in, in can not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but it's time to start thinking that way. Yeah. Cause we're a month away from our championship weekend up there. It's hard to imagine. Um, but uh, the end of November is championship weekend. Yeah. We're um, four games away. Yeah. This is the regional semis. We have regional finals, then semifinals and finals. So it is a, uh, it will be a, it's going to be an interesting month of, of high school football in front of us. And hopefully our, all our schools will do well and, and represent the Valley well. And uh, I believe Poland and Ursuline is the only reg- or uh, local matchup in the playoffs remaining, right? Uh, that's correct? probably true. I'm not 100 percent sure on so that. I know Canfield plays Streetsboro. Springfield yeah. plays somebody out of town, and South Bend plays right. somebody yeah. out of town. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I think they're all playing, uh, like you said, a non um, non Valley team. Yeah, there's no question about that. Yeah. All right, Anthony, we're done here tonight. It's yeah. been about just about an hour here, so uh, we will talk uh, next uh, next week, maybe next Sunday night again if we get a chance. If not Monday. And uh, mm-hmm. we'll recap it all one more time. All right. For Anthony. Yeah. I am... uh, football season starting to get cranked up by the big. Go ahead. Yeah. You know, football is getting cranked up. We're uh, almost here to a uh, championship weekend in Ohio for the playoffs and uh, the big tens back. So uh, Saturdays are normal again. Should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to this entire week. I hope you are too. Mm-hmm. Check us out on Western Reserve Digital Broadcasting and AM 1570 WHTX for the Ursuline Irish uh, football games, Western Reserve Digital Radio for the Springfield games, and stay tuned for any other possible games that may be added to the schedule as we go forward. Uh, For Anthony, I am Tim, wishing you all the best. Stay safe, wear your mask, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Radio MVP Sports.